Father, we do thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that you always visit us. You're always willing to uh, come in and help us and give us understanding to lead us into greater things in you and lead us to basic things that we need. We all need you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our lives and what you are doing in the lives of others. worldwide you are certainly no respecter of persons what you do for one you'll do for others as long as we believe and so father we believe you today we thank you for giving us all things that pertain to life and to godliness we crucify doubt today we just nail it to the tree and we thank you lord for giving us the fullness of faith today for everything we desire in jesus name Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 So uh, the we're going to talk today about pleading the blood. I plead the blood. Amen. Amen. Uh, this was a phrase that was coined by Pentecostal people. Uh, we think before the turn of the century, but uh, very much uh, during that time, uh, there was a famous trial, I think during the 1920s, it was called the Scopes Monkey Trial. It was held in Tennessee, I think. There was a man, uh, his name was a teacher, taught evolution to children that they were, man was evolved from monkeys. That was a great controversy. And, uh, <clears throat> Eventually, he got off. He was defended uh, by a, a, a lawyer by the name of Clarence Darrell, a man, very popular man. I think he ran for president once or twice or something like that. I forget who was the other. They were both very famous men that, that were on uh, opposite sides. I'm thinking Darrell was the one that defended him, but I'm not real sure about that. Not thinking about it. But anyway, there was an interest in legal proceedings and there was an interest in uh, that got to be very very popular during that time and uh, I think Scopes pled guilty to the charge but he was acquitted because there was no law I think that demanded that he teach a certain way that he couldn't teach what he felt was true to him or that he wanted to teach or uh, somehow, but it got to be very, very popular because of the nature of what was being challenged. And so people began to get an interest in the law and how the law works. And people in Christian settings kind of, you know, how sometimes Christians have to relate to the world that they live in. And so the phrase, I plead the blood, got to be very, very popular. Uh, and pleading the blood really means that when you go before the throne of God, you have to enter a plea that will exonerate you from all penalty and all charges that are charged against you. There's a the song that they sang, Just As I Am starts out just as I am without one plea except that his blood was shed for me. So when you go to get saved, you don't enter a, in uh you don't enter a plea of I didn't do anything wrong and I try to be good and I don't treat people bad, I treat people nice. You're not there to defend yourself. 
because you really have no defense. Uh, we're all guilty. Amen. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're guilty, what do you do? You have to enter a plea. You understand what I'm saying? You have to respond to the court. And uh, if anybody thinks you don't, you go somewhere and let the judge ask you something and you don't say anything, they charge you with contempt. So a plea must be entered in every court. Amen. You've got to answer something back. And so the old timers began to say, I plead the blood. I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm not trying to say I was right or wrong. If you say you're right, you got to have proof of that. And if you say you're wrong, you still got to throw yourself on the mercy of the court. So the plea became, I plead the blood. And guess what people would start to experience? They start experiencing miracles when they would enter that plea. When, when any time any accusation came forth against them. So what's an accusation? If you turn to the book of Revelation chapter 12, you see something here that is interesting. It's an account of a war in heaven. Verse 7 starts, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And they prevail not. Amen. Number one, whenever you're rebelling against an atmosphere, you're going to lose. Whoever tried to start a fight in heaven just crazy. You understand what I'm saying? So the devil is crazy. Take that number one. He's got two-thirds of the angels of God. He's got the throne of God. He's got the Son of God. He's got the power of God and the Holy Spirit against him. He's only got a third of the angels, and they crazy just like he is. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So that's why when you get to heaven, people won't remember what you did wrong to them. And you won't remember it either. You're not going to go up there and start settling old scores. Because the place the place to do that has been removed. Amen. So they're the place for arguing and retaliation and and holding grudges won't be found in heaven. So you won't even have an atmosphere to support that. Amen. And if some things are recalled, they're always recalled in a way where forgiveness and the blood has been applied. You got me? So you may remember somebody that you knew back in the day, but what you remember is that the relationship was all good. You you don't even have room in your heart anymore to conjure up any old stuff because there's not any old stuff up there. It says they prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast down with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by what? That's why you, that's why when accusation 
comes, that's your plea. So you see it all tied together in one neat little package for you. So when the devil accuses you, your plea is the blood. Amen? So you're, you plead the blood of Jesus. Now what does that mean? That means that you don't try to defend yourself. You don't try to say, well, I didn't mean it or, you know, they hit me first or, you know, the, the schoolyard stuff that we usually do. Or nor do you try to think of why sickness or anything else negative has come upon you. See, when you plead the blood, you're you're not holding yourself responsible for it anymore. You're receiving the atonement. So your sins have been atoned for by the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, you can't be a person that runs around doing wrong and keep pleading the blood. You have to go before the throne of God and make sure that blood is applied to your soul. You know, you've got to get before God, repent, say, God, you know, I'm sorry. You know, it's like it's not a get out of jail free card at all by any stretch of the imagination, because if nothing else, you're going to have to live under the pressure of your guilt for what you've done. So you can't fool God into thinking pleading the blood does not mean you're innocent. And it's not the same thing as a no contest plea. You know how you go into, uh, into the court and, you know, that's kind of like a mercy plea. You say, well, no contest. I'm not going to stand here and argue with you and waste the court's time. And then the judge hands down the sentence to you. No contest really means there's nothing going on your record except that. And that looks very suspicious to some people. You understand what I'm saying? And so when you enter the plea of the blood of Jesus, what that means is that you're throwing yourself at God's feet and acknowledging that you are a sinner past. You know, you're not a habitual sinner anymore, but you own up to that you did make that mistake. You did do that thing wrong. You did do, you, you understand what I'm saying? Or you're our person who's capable, born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And, and this is the only plea that works for us who are normal people who understand our limitations, understand our weaknesses, and understand our faults. You should no more try to go before God and tell him how innocent you are. Huh? Because he sent his son to help you because you weren't innocent and you couldn't be innocent anymore. You understand what I'm saying? So Jesus came to take care of sin for once and for all, for all time. So you're entering a plea of the blood at the throne of grace allows you to be forgiven and allows that that penalty to be removed from your life. So when you have sickness, if you have symptoms, whatever you want to call it, I rather call it symptoms, because when you look at it, what the Bible says here is that Satan deceives people. See, he can deceive you into thinking you've got something. When God says none of these diseases, so who are you going to believe? See, he challenged God in heaven. God kicked, well, didn't kick him out. He fell. His place was seen no more. Whatever. Uh, That dude ain't here no more. He moved. So he moved down to earth. And on earth, he took lordship from Adam and Eve. 
Amen. So he's now God of this world. He has a right to certain things down here until we plead the blood. The blood stops him right where he is. So until you get that blood atonement applied to your life, Satan has the the right to tell you what to do, lead you around. Now you can try to fight him all you want, but you have very little power against him. At some point, you know, even if you resist the devil, the guilt of your sin will cause you to drag yourself back into sin. It'll cause you to give up. You ever had people sometimes that, that you just, it's like they run with God for a minute and then all of a sudden they fell down somewhere and can't get up. <laughs> it's because the weight of guilt of sin forces you to accept the accusation of the devil. You know, the devil say, well, look at you. You back doing that again. You ain't no good. You ain't saved. And unless you, you take the atonement and fight your way back into, amen, the righteousness that God gave you and start pleading the blood and declaring your righteousness, many people succumb to just the burden of the guilt of it. Well, that's why accusation and deception are so powerful. That's why Satan has a whole bunch of people, you know, at all times. Because what defense do you have? Well, now, devil, you you don't understand, devil. No, you go down that road, you're in big trouble. You know, you're trying, you're asking for mercy for somebody who has none. Amen. And so once you enter into that arena of arguing of the mental argument back and forth, trying to acquit yourself. And prove to that voice that keeps telling you you're no good, you don't do this right, you don't do that right. When you enter into that mental argument about trying to prove yourself to the, the, the accusation of the enemy, you've already almost lost. You got me? Many people just get tired, get mental fatigue from doing that. You know, your mind gets bombarded. Oh, that this, you know, they shouldn't have done this or they shouldn't have done that. You know, this ain't right and that ain't, and they don't treat me right. And your mind will get tired of that after a while and will make a decision to do something. It'll either do what you're being accused of doing and going along with it, or you make a plea to God for some relief. And this is what we need to do. We need to make that plea to get relieved from the accusation of the enemy. Because that's all symptoms are. Symptoms of illness are more accusation than they are reality. Why is it accusation? Because that's been paid for already. That's been atoned for. And we need to act like it's been paid for. But many times we'll stop and pay attention to symptoms. Wonder what that is. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what that means. You know, so and so they had cancer and they say that's how it started. Come on now. All you're doing is entertaining accusation. It's gotta be. If you believe God, he said none of these diseases 
So the devil shows up with symptoms to try and deceive you into thinking God's a liar. And the more you entertain him with, well, I wonder what I did. This is the other thing. Wonder what I did wrong to get attacked like this. How about breathing? How about got up this morning? How about you alive? Huh? He attacks everybody that has life in them. Amen? So that's what you did. Nothing. You did the same old, same old you always do. And see, we have to attack these things as accusations. You cannot attack them as legitimate. You know, like the Bible says, the curse causeless shall not come. Well, there's no cause for a curse on somebody who's blood bought. You understand what I'm saying? See, we don't, you don't, God doesn't pay for you to be redeemed from the curse and then you can do something to pick it up again. Other than that, your salvation would be in jeopardy. And you know in your heart you're saved. You understand what forever. That's what salvation means. You're in covenant with God. For him to keep you alive, keep you healthy, keep you wealthy, keep you, you know, content and secure. You have a covenant to cover all of that. And it never gets revoked. Amen. I don't care how stupid we get. God's smart enough to retrieve us. Even when we do get way out of line. So you have an irrevocable covenant with God. A blood covenant cannot be revoked. Amen. Cannot be revoked. Why can't it be revoked? Because it doesn't depend on what you do. It covers what you do. I'm going to say it again. That blood covenant you have with God does not depend on what you do. It covers what you do. And it covers what you don't. Abraham knew this. Let me get us over there. Turn to Genesis chapter 15. So we did Revelation. I'm doing pretty good with the word, y'all, because <laughs> I mean, I mean, just for me, because usually I'm talking, 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 and I finally find a scripture. I say, like, oh, Lord, let's see what we got here. Okay, Genesis 15. Okay, so here, here God has been speaking to Abram. <clears throat> Verse three, it says, and Abram said, behold, you have given me no seed. And if you don't give me any children, this guy that's born in my house is going to get everything I own. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this guy shall not be your heir, but he that shall come out of your bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. So here Abram has doubts, questions about what God's promised him. 
And just like he did with Abraham, with us, he can clear up every doubt you have. But you got to be honest with him and ask him to help. You know, God, how am I going to know this? How I just don't feel like that's true. I just don't feel like it's happening for me. I don't think it's happening fast enough. I, I'm not feeling it, God. And just allow him to reassure you. The person cutting the covenant with you is as responsible as you are for keeping your end of the covenant. Now, this is why we have the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus call him? The comforter. See, the Holy Spirit is in us to reassure us that the promise is still coming. That it's not too late for us. That God's going to still do it for us. No, no matter how long it takes, that, that paper's still good. You understand what I'm saying? That whatever he wrote it on is still for you. And so when, when God gives us in our, in the new covenant, he gives us the Holy Spirit, the Bible says as a surety, He's your down payment. He's your cosign of a better covenant. Amen. So he is there. It's up to the Holy Spirit to keep us reassured that the promise is still good. You're not just out here trying to believe God on your little own. And, you know, you wake up one day and you don't feel as holy as you did when you went to sleep or whatever. I don't know what you've been dreaming about, but whatever it is. Or things go all the way wrong one day. And you look up and you just. Well, how do you think you get back to where you were when everything was. Oh, hallelujah, glory, 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 glory. And dance, 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 dance all night. You know, how do you get back into that place? It's the Holy Spirit's job to get you there. You can't get there by yourself. Because you don't even know what's wrong with you. You don't know how you woke up full of doubt and out of sorts and ready to quit for the umpteenth time. And you're still around. And eventually the Holy Spirit will help you live in the center of God's peace instead of being on the fringes all the time. Threatening to lose your mind, threatening to lose this, that, and the other. So Abraham tells him, Abraham, come on now. We haven't talked about this before. He said, I haven't changed my mind. Come on, y'all. This is for those times when you think it's too late for you to get what God's promised you. Like you promised it to yourself. Or like you can get it on your own. Be careful what you get on your own. Be careful what comes to you easy. You've got to let God bring things to you. If he fed the prophet by ravens and then fed him by a widow, he can take care of that little thing that you want. It's nothing big. But you got to learn how to hold on to your faith and quit walking around in doubt without checking yourself. Huh? When you start feeling all out of sorts and ain't going to happen, quit talking to your buddy who's in the same boat you're in. Huh? Yeah, that's that's when everybody stands hides from the prophet. Because <laughs> you're scared him will slap you a couple of turns around and snap out of it. 
<laughs> That's really all you need. It's a good Holy Ghost slap. Come on now, sober up. Get off of that drunk on old wine stuff. Huh? Been sitting up listening to the devil and feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, pour me another mint julep. Huh? Snap out of it. He shows him again all the stars in heaven. He says, that's how many kids you're going to have. And he believed in the Lord and it was counted him for righteousness. Now, when God shows you in, in the word, many times as we have st- st- uh, stayed out of the word too long, you go get back in the word and you feel, oh, I'm, I'm back to normal again. I believe God some more. Huh? When that happens to you, Embrace that and don't fight it off. That's why many people don't have what, you know, God will give you reassurance from his word and then you'll still walk around doubtful. Let that word settle in on you. Meditate on that. Grab that. Learn how to grab from God. Because he wants you to have it or he never would have promised it to. Well, I ain't sure God promised me all that. Yeah, the older you get, the less sure you are. Hello. It's time to jump off the not sure ship and get on the certainty ship. Huh? If not me, who? And if not now, when? Amen. So he believed in the Lord and it's counted to him as righteousness. That's the state to live in that will keep you full of faith. See, when God shows you in the Bible, shows you or gives you a word at the altar and assures you of these things, grab on to that. That's your righteousness. The fact that you believe him is your righteousness. Amen. That brings you in right standing with God. That makes your mind different than what it was when you were there. You're not of a doubtful mind anymore. A righteous mind is not a doubtful mind. A righteous mind believes God. Now you might have to fight doubt off again. But that's part of living down here in this sinful world. But you can win that fight. Just keep fighting doubt. Just keep fighting doubt. So he believed in the Lord and was counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And and he said, Lord God, how shall I know? Now he's got two doubtful areas in his mind. Don't let your doubt condemn you, okay? Let's just, let's just grow up and get beyond that. I've been saying here so long and I can't believe I doubted God. Snap out of it. I can believe you doubted God. Huh? But praise God, he came and proved himself to you again. See, you see how God undertakes for us? How it's his job to keep covenant with us? What he's doing here is keeping covenant with Abraham. He keeps reminding him over and over. Every time you see Abraham run into God, God tells him the same thing over and over and over again. 
I'm going to give you kids. Look up at the sky. Look at the sand. Look at that's how many children you got. God tells him that over and over and over again. It's called keeping covenant. It's up to God to keep it. It's up to us to believe it and receive it. You ain't keeping nothing. (laughs) The Holy Ghost is keeping you. If you're in any good standing with God, it's because he's keeping covenant with you. It's his job to keep covenant. Amen. It's not our job to keep it. We receive it and we believe it. And that that's the part we play. And then you walk out what you believe. You just make up your mind to do the word. Huh? Well, I, I can't, I can't confess the word enough. I just know I fell down on my confession yesterday. I should spend more time in the word. Yeah, you should. If you're going on like this, not just between me and you, but it's not about God checking you off every day to make sure you're doing the right thing. Huh? You've got the Holy Spirit living in you to lead you and guide you in the way God wants you to go. He's keeping covenant through you down here, through what you do with God. So you can't obey God just on your own. You're trying to think of something to do and say to impress God to make him give you your promise faster. That's all you doing, a little manipulator, a little deceiver. Then pick that up from that old devil. Huh? So just let that go. Huh? Repent. God, here I am. And let my mind drift. Now that got caught up in this nonsense. Trying to please you the wrong way. You, we please him by believing him. God, I feel like a hot mess today. I fell off my confession wagon. Huh? But God, I still believe you. Please, God, don't let it be too late for me. I still believe you. You understand what I'm saying? And stay in your word. Stay in the word where the promises are concerned. Stay in your, that's what Abraham did. When, when you see him talking to God, that's him getting back in his word. So he says, how shall I know that I'll inherit this? You've got to have a knowing in you. Abraham had to have a knowing. Huh? He asked for a knowing. See, we think we can impress God and say, oh, I just believe God. You know, I don't have to have nothing else. I mean, you know, I take him at his word. You know, wait till the devil start beating you up for about 10 minutes and see what you're taking at. Amen. So weakness, spiritual weakness comes to everybody. We get in the flesh. We start snooping around and Nothing's going on but the rent. We know how, don't know how long that's going to go on. And, you know, sometimes you want to know certain things. God, how will I know this? And the Lord said, take me a heifer three years old and a she goat three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove, a young pig, a pigeon. Abraham knew what this meant. All humans during that time in that era knew what that meant. And that's what he was asking for. He wanted a blood assurance. Amen. He wanted more than just a promise. Now he wants an oath. He wants God to swear in his blood 
or swear in blood that he's going to do this for him. See, the Bible says an oath of confirmation is an end of all strife. See, we have an oath of confirmation from God for the promises, the things we're believing him for. That ends all strife in your mind. When the devil says you can't have it because you did this wrong, that wrong, it's too late for you. You can't have this, that, and the other. When he starts accusing you and telling you what you can't have, then you plead the blood because that blood oath confirms that God promised it to you and he's going to do it. Amen. Faithful is he who promised who will do it. Amen. Faithful people do what they promise. They don't go around telling you a million things all the time and never come through for you. Because pretty soon everybody loses confidence in people like that. And wish you hadn't put your confidence in them to begin with. But God has given us an oath of confirmation. So the oath pledges that person's life, goods, or something of value, of high value, against them keeping their word. So what God says, if I don't keep my word to you, I will cease to exist. If I don't keep my word to you, I will die and take everything in heaven and earth with me. If I don't keep my word to you, amen. So he said that when he tells them to bring those sacrifices, and he took all of them and he, he put them uh, pieces against one another, the large animals, the birds he divided not. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. <clears throat> so it took God, God took his time ratifying this agreement. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, know of a surety, surety. Blood represents surety. That your seed shall be strangers in a land that is not theirs, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and after they will come out with great substance, and you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come out hither, etc., etc. Now this is the bad news of the covenant. And you notice Abraham's condition when the bad news is spoken. He's asleep. He didn't hear it. That's what you and I are. We don't hear that part. God always tells us the good news of the covenant and the promise. But we know there's bad and good that happens in life, right? But we don't know all the in-between things. (laughs) So we don't lose heart. Amen. So you don't lose faith. God is very interested in keeping us encouraged and keeping us in faith the whole time that we walk with him. So Abraham, when he wakes up, he's walking toward a promise. But he doesn't know all the bad stuff that's going to happen, but that's in the covenant too. God had to put that in because he's an honest God. Amen. He gives us full disclosure. So God understands and knows what's going to happen with Abraham's seed. See, it's easier for you if, if many parents understood the challenge 
that parenthood would bring, they would never even get involved in it, some of them, because many of them can't bear up under it. But you keep that joy and that expectation in you for the new life that you're able to bring and enjoy and all of those things that goes with the good side of it. Same thing with marriage. You're just promising for better or for worse, but nobody, any minister in his right mind will not elaborate to you how bad it can get. You understand? Because they don't know. And so nobody ever enters in with the negative things at the height of their understanding. You got me? You enter in in faith. Anything you enter in in faith, you enter in expecting a good outcome. And so that's what God gives to Abram. He gives him assurance. Amen. And he tells him he'll go down to his fathers in peace and are buried in a good old age. And the fourth generation, they'll come out again, et cetera, et cetera. And so it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto your seed have I given this land. And so God then reiterates his promise to Abram. He reiterate. He now begins to fill in more details of what he's going to do for him. He tells him where the land's located, tells him about the inhabitants on the land. It's getting more real to him all the time. So when God brings us a knowing, amen, or a surety, or brings us the guarantee that he's going to bring what he said to pass, then there's a a witness in us that helps us to understand that it's true. He does not leave us just on our own to believe. See, the fact that Abraham was asleep really means that God made this promise to himself. Let me let me get over to Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews 6. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to. I've got so many little different things written down here. Turn it to the book of Hebrews. I'm pretty sure it's chapter 6. We'll check it and make sure. All right, Hebrews chapter 6, start in verse 13. It says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. When it says he swore by himself, that means he swore to himself. Amen? So God made a promise to himself about you. And about everybody who believes. You ain't got nothing to do with this. All you got to do is stand fast and hold on. Because it might get to be a bumpy ride. Huh? But if you stand fast and hold on, you're doing what God expects you to do. 
because he swore by himself to himself because he could find he said who can i find that's more powerful than me that can keep this covenant oh just me i'll swear by myself to myself that i will keep my word to you about everything you need in life so really when god keeps his word keeps his promise he's not keeping anything to you you're just receiving it if you're smart you'll hang on because it's got nothing to do with your goodness your badness your many confessions did you confess the word enough did you believe did you uh, uh speak the word enough did you recite the word enough did you read the word enough it's got nothing to do with that it has everything to do with whether you believe now if confessing helps you to believe confess away reading the word helps you believe because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god but you're not obligated to recite the word so many times per day in order to earn God giving you what you want. That is not what this is about. This is about you having enough relationship with God to do the things you need to do to hold on to your faith. That's why I tell y'all these stories about now. See, y'all think, I don't know what Pastor Barr talking about, all this stuff she be doing, these faith faith things she do that's why i bless my food and see how long it's gonna last i'm checking in on what my faith can do you understand what i'm saying because you don't know what we just went through for this past month and still going through you don't know when food is gonna show up on your doorstep and see i'm gonna have a food that's gonna last y'all better not come knocking on my door especially if you sit up and mock and make fun you got me I don't know why she don't buy food. Ain't she got no money? It's not about that. Huh? It's not about what I got and what you got. It's about whose I am and whom I serve. Amen? But see, my faith is going to do something for me. I'm not going to sit up every day and be bored wondering when something is going to happen in my life when I got faith I can use from day to day. Huh? Yeah, I want to scare the devil with my faith. I want him to be deathly afraid. Huh? Anytime he try to mess with something of mine, be deathly afraid. Well, you know, food just goes bad. Mine ain't going bad. I'm not going to confess that. Go bad if you want to, but you ain't wanting to around me. You got to line up with what I want. Amen? That's faith. So he says here, <clears throat> because it, surely it said because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself to himself and he says surely blessing i will bless thee surely means a guarantee whenever you see that word surely verily jesus said that a lot that was covenant language that's why the the pharisees hated him because you were not allowed to swear you understand what I'm saying? So he was making an oath to people when he would speak and say, verily, verily, I say unto you. That means you take it to the bank, cash your check, spend the money. You know, it'd be fun sometime to go through the Bible and see all the verilies and surelies. It's easy to track, get your concordance and see how many promises are made with that surely, surely, verily, verily. 
He says in covenant, verse 14 says, surely in covenant blessing, I will bless you and multiply. In other words, I'm not taking this back. I'm not changing my mind. My mind is made up about you. My mind is forever made up about you. Oh, you think that little stuff you do is going to change my mind? Uh, I don't think so. I made this covenant long before you got here and you can't mess it up. You think Jesus shed this blood is some light thing? That's why a lot of times we don't have anything. We take too many things for granted. And we don't just try to get understanding. Say, God, just break this down to me. Help me with this. I really want to understand this because this is important right here. I mean, all word is profitable, but there are some things that are just foundational and important. Fifteen, and so after he had patiently endured, oh, well, now we done located the problem. The Bible says when you're tested, you know, you endure with patience. He he said there's a blessing there. He said the blessing is that the person who is tested can be whole, let patience have her maturing work. So that the person who is uh, being challenged with patience, faith doesn't wait, patience does. Faith is now. Faith can grab at any time. But in order for faith to be released properly, patience has to mature the recipient. That's what patience is for. It says let patience have his perfect work so that the person who's believing can be whole and entire, lacking nothing. You don't want to receive the promises of God and be lacking something. If you're lacking character, you might do anything to hold on to what you got when the devil starts pulling it from you. See, you at least have to have the maturity to know that once God gives it to you, the devil can't get it back. This is how people lose many things that God promises them. See, when, when people get married and, and they're obedient to God and they get married obedient to God, they don't they don't run to the divorce court first thing something happens wrong and say, well, God didn't tell me to marry this person. You understand what I'm saying? See, they didn't let per- patience have its perfect work. They're lacking some things. So I'd rather be a little ripe on the vine than to lack something and then struggle with it the whole time you have it. You don't want to be a child of God and struggle every day. Losing your mind if you can make the payment. Losing your mind if what they gonna say when they see me, I ain't driving up in my, my machine no more. You know, all that kind of nonsense. That's, that's, Im, that's immaturity. You can't get nothing from God acting like that for show. Huh? By the time you get a show and tell, it'll be long over. Huh? If you're believing God for it.
So it says here, he says, surely, I'm not changing my mind about this. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you. So then after he had patiently endured, endured what? The accusation of the enemy. You're not going to get it. You're too old. Look at that old wife of yours. Go over here and get this young girl like you did the last time and have another baby. You understand what I'm saying? And so you endure those things. You endure the accusation of the devil. You endure the, the things that would drive you to get the promise on your own. It's not that we can't get stuff on our own. It's that you've got to have enough dedication to God to know his way of getting it is best. And if it don't come, you'll be better off than to get it bootleg. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He obtained it. It was waiting for him. It was granted to him by faith long before. But then there's a patient endurance that causes that promise to descend into our lives. Amen. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained for men verily swear by the greater. God swore by himself as the greater of the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Once God confirms with his blood, and you understand what you got, his promise to you, He's he's sworn on his own life that he's going to do it for you. So that should end all the stupid arguments the devil keeps bringing to you. You don't confess enough. You don't say the word enough. You don't pray enough. You don't do this enough. It's an end of all strife. So you say, devil, listen, the blood paid for this. You got nothing to do with this. You can't take it away from me, and I'm not giving it up to you. We have had enough discussion today. But instead, what do most people do? They try to get, let me get back in my word. When you seen the devil whoop somebody and make them get in the word? That ain't even his job. And he don't care if you read the word or not. How is your spiritual condition all of a sudden his business? Huh? Them little enough thoughts. You think about it, you say, well, be honest, devil, I ain't read the word the first time this week. <laughs> you say enough as though I have done something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's he doing sitting on your shoulder anyway? How he get it? How he get invited to your Bible study? So this oath of confirmation that we have with God ends all strife. In other words, once you you understand that God has promises to you, period, and your your lacks about things, you're not. Your knots and your no-nos can't get him to change his mind. See, the promise is still out there, whether you believe it or not. Well, I used to believe. You liar. You still believe it in there somewhere. Huh? 
you just ain't been in touch with it so long. But it can be restored. It can be renewed. Look at uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Huh? Oh, well, God heard your prayer. What prayer? You gonna have a baby? What baby? You mean you found a baby somewhere for me and my wife? Do you know how old we are? That's why he was struck dumb. Because he never would have quit talking about that. You know, John the Baptist's birth had to be kept secret. Oh, I shouldn't be running around talking now. Surely you have your reward. You're going to talk it to death and that not let God incubate it and bring it to you? You start talking about something God told you he's going to do for you. The first ten people you tell, I bet you, the devil brings them to you. And they're going to sit up and argue with you why you can't have it. Yeah, that's how it gets stolen. It gets stolen in seed form. Because once it starts germinating on the inside of you and gets big enough, huh? then it's undeniable after a while. Amen? You know it's going to happen. Sooner or later it's going to happen. But the enemy wants to kill it before it even takes root on the inside of you. Huh? So it's best keep it to yourself. I had to learn how to do that with things of ministry. I didn't know there were so many rejected women out there wanting to be ministers. I thought, oh my goodness, you don't even have a sound mind. Not that mine was that great at the time, but I was working on it. (laughs) Me and and God had a covenant. We the same love. (laughs) Same love. (laughs) Whatever. I was working on it, you know what I'm saying, but just because you bossy, that don't mean you're supposed to be somebody's pastor. Huh? It's true. Man. It says, verse 17, wherein God, that's where you got to know. Not about you, it's about wherein God. He's willing more abundantly. Listen, God is more abundantly willing to help you hold on to the promise than he ever was to get you to believe it to begin with. Once you start believing, he's more willing more abundantly willing to prove himself to you that he still wants you to have it. And see, we'll go along believing God for a season and just because it's kind of like not as big a deal to us anymore, we think he's not interested. It ain't him, it's you. Because as time goes on, he's more willing abundantly. He did more things for Abraham after, long after he had been walking with him and he promised him these these uh, children. He was more willing later on down the line to continue to reiterate and, and, and 
recommit to that than he was at the very beginning. Why is that? Now think about it for a minute. When you first start to believe God, everybody believes God at the beginning. But if you can walk down the road 10 years with him and still believing, he's more, yeah, you pass so many tests, I'm more, I'm going to go further. And see, we think because we've been saved a while, he's less willing to help us. See, we think we got to figure out what's wrong and what I did wrong and how, what I got to do to fix this, God. What do I got to do to get my healing? What do I got to do? He expects more of us as we walk with him because he's putting more into us as we walk with him. You're not walking by yourself. You're not doing this on your own and you're not by yourself believing him. You think faith is a test? No, your faith gets tested after it's in you to see if you'll hold on to it. He's not testing you with something you don't have yet. Well, let me put my foot on her neck and see how long she can squirm under the pressure of not believing me for a day. It's not God. So he's more willing, more abundantly willing to show to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. His mind cannot change. Thank God. He's the one that's holding everything together. Because his, his counsel can't be changed. That means his mind is made up even if yours isn't. See, you think God's mind is made up on them days when you feel saintly. You know, which if we count, you know what I'm saying, ain't nobody going there. How many days a year is that? <laughs> just, just messing with you. But you know what I'm saying. See, he, he won't change. He's willing to show us he won't change. So he's more abundantly willing to show us that he won't change his mind about what he's promised. And see, the devil's constantly harassing us to give up and think something bad about God. See, if you give up on what God's promised you, it's because you're thinking something bad about God. It's not, it's, you know, it, it has to boil down to that. You think he won't do it? He said he would. You think it's too late? He said it isn't. You think it's too... (laughs) See, you're thinking his mind can be changed. Uh You need to say, God, please forgive me. I got stupid again. Sitting up here thinking and got carried away and... So it's by these two immutable things, his oath and his promise. The written word in here is the promise. The knowledge of the sacrifice is his oath. You can't have surety without knowledge of both. So you've got to understand what's secured 
the promise of God for you. Other than that, you just look at it as something on paper that you'd like to have. You don't look at at it as something that's been granted to you. I tell you, I know that. When you talk to people and say you're healed already, it takes a while to get that in you to where it don't move. You understand what I'm saying? To just accept that in spite of what you see, feel, think, whatever, you're healed anyhow. Amen? So it takes a while because these two worlds are in conflict. And it's up to us which world we decide we belong to permanently. So you want to belong to the world that has decided permanently that it's it belongs to you and cannot be taken back from you. So these are immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. It's not that he won't lie, he can't lie. When he promises you the sun and the moon and the stars, he means it. Because he's well able to give it to you. Amen? He's well able to give it to you. It says, we we would receive from these two immutable things strong consolation. In other words, if you really understand these things, you don't doubt anymore. We're talking about strong consolation. It's something that goes beyond your imagination, what you see, your thinking. Weak consolation, anybody can get that to you. You know what that is? Some of you tell somebody, well, you know, I don't know what's wrong. You know, I, I've been believing God for this and this and this. Oh, it's going to be all right. That's weak consolation. You get that from people all day long. You don't need that. You need strong. <laughs> it's impossible for him to lie. God, I thank you. You never lie. When I'm believing you for the greatest things, it's impossible for you to lie to me. You always tell me the truth. And I have it on the authority of your name. You even said I can have what I say if I don't doubt. Amen. Not doubt in my heart. So I say I can have the promises of God, whatever it is. So we're, we're people of strong consolation because of this, because of the blood. That was the oath connected to the promise. So he promised Abraham because he could swear by no higher. He swore by himself to himself. Abraham knew for a surety that God was going to give him as many descendants as he saw when he looked up into the sky and when he looked down at the seashore. He knew it. Amen. In Hebrews 7, it tells us, 722, <clears throat> He says, 
By so much was Jesus made the surety of a better testament. So Jesus is your guarantee of a better covenant. That's why when you plead his precious blood, you have the assurance that blood is your assurance. Jesus was made a surety of a better testament. He has an unchangeable priesthood. Amen. Where men's priesthoods change, his is unchangeable. And he has passed that on to us. Amen. We are the heirs of salvation. So we have a royal priesthood just like he does. Amen. He being a great high priest. Which means that he ministers over life for us. Anytime uh, death or anything that, that takes us away from assurance in him comes into our lives, Jesus has the right to minister over that and to help us with his Holy Spirit. Amen? What things does the blood speak to us? Amen? The shed blood talks. Amen? It speaks from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses is every word established. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's why his word is established. Amen. You don't need anybody else to validate. That's why when you meditate on the word, it becomes a part of you. It's already settled. So that means there's no arguing God's word. I don't care. People, you know, people want to discuss things. And, you know, the Bible says an oath of confirmation is an end of all strife. And so when we, you can't, that's why it's, the Bible never told us to discuss the word with everybody. Anything says preach the word. It means it, that word is higher than words you would enter into discussion on. Amen. That word is higher because when you preach something, you declare it with authority as truth. And it is true. So, you know, these people have these, you go to Bible school, they have, uh, they have apologetics and, all, you know, all these crazy little courses, take up time, take up money, whatever. They need to just let you go and let you go read your Bible real good so you'll have something to talk about <laughs> when they ask you something. Jesus said, don't try to fix it up beforehand. What you going to say? The Holy Spirit will tell you. You got a coach on the inside of you to help you with everything that you need. Amen. So, but the, the blood testifies on our behalf. When Cain slew Abel, God said, your blood, brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And so we know that blood has a voice. Bible says the life of all flesh is in the blood. And shed blood speaks. Amen. So when, when Cain, Abel's blood was shed, that blood began to cry out for vengeance. Cain asked God for mercy. Mercy was granted to him. How did he get mercy instead of <laughs> vengeance?
That was the first murder recorded in the Bible. Amen. First generation from Adam and Eve. But he was given mercy instead of vengeance. The blood was crying for vengeance. Amen. So how do you get mercy? Huh? The lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. See, Jesus had already been slain. Other than that, we'd be going around killing up each other day and night when somebody does something. That man would cease to exist. So God, in his foreknowledge, made provision for sin before sin ever came into the picture. So our sin is no shock to God. He's not amazed by it. He's not upset and taken aback like, you know, fainting on the throne or something. Even though we can't believe we did that sometimes, you know what I'm saying. But it's no, he's already made provision for it. But what does the blood talk about? What does the blood of Jesus talk about? The Bible said it speaks better things. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Let me see. That blood speaks of greater love. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5, it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with the Father was laid on him, and with his stripes we are healed. The Bible says, greater love hath no man that he would lay down his life for a friend. And while we were enemies, he died for us. Amen. So it's even greater than greater love. Because he laid down his life for an enemy. So he swore by his own life. So his life was pledged against the sin of the world. Which means that he will forgive all sin or he will cease to exist. That will help some of you thinking about some of your relatives who are so bad. You understand what I'm saying? We sometimes, oh, oh, oh. It's going to take forever for so-and-so to get saved because they've been rotten since I've known them. You understand what I'm saying? It'll take some of the edginess. And sometimes we don't say it, but we pray like we believe it. Because sometimes when you pray for certain people, you don't really expect a whole lot. Because sometimes they've been doing stuff for so long. You know, don't let the the magnitude of somebody's sin take away from what the blood can do you understand what i'm saying you know sometimes we need to go to god and say god you know what i gotta check myself i gotta correct my mental condition about people because i want to pray effectual fervent prayers i don't want to call uh, uh pray lukewarm prayers for somebody who really needs great mercy amen we, we've got to learn how to enter into the mind of God and the provision of God and the understanding of God in these situations. So the blood of Jesus speaks a greater love. Amen. The greatest love that this world has ever known. The blood of Jesus also speaks a knowing. And we covered that about Abraham. He said, how shall I know? That you're going to give me what you promised me. And that's where we all live all the time. How will we know 
that God's going to do this. Well, we just have to hold on to what he promised from day to day and minute to minute and believe that we will have it. Thank you, God, that I will have what I say. Thank you, Lord. I believed I received it when I prayed and I will receive what it is that you gave me. Amen. Sometimes you need to remind yourself of that daily. Remind yourself of that minute by minute. Father, I will have instead of letting your mind go in line with your your errant thoughts. You know, I'm glad I don't have that. I'm glad, you know, don't let your mind say stuff like that to you. Don't let your mind rob you of what God has for you. So the blood is what caused Abram to know. After passing through the pieces, the blood began to speak to him in a new way. So Abraham, because of the shedding of that blood, that blood gave him a knowing. Because before Abraham was kind of a doubtful guy, he's, you know, running back to God. How am I going to know? And yada, 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 yada. Amen. So every knowing that you have increases your faith to some degree. Amen. Every time the blood is applied to your soul, and that's why the blood is so important, it removes doubt and fear and everything. It purges you, purges your conscience from dead works. Dead works represent the things that you think are going to happen that are against what God's promised you. Well, that's not going to happen for me because of so-and-so and such-and-such. And and I used to believe that, but but then so much time has gone by, and I just don't believe it anymore. How can it happen? And what I have is incurable, and they say there's no help for me. See, when the blood is applied, your conscience is purged of all the thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And so that's where you want to live all the time. See, this is why we get discouraged sometimes. We think God's not going to do it anymore because we need a good purging. Huh? You just need to have your brain flushed through with the blood of Jesus and then apply and then his righteousness is embraced very easily. You don't have to cover anything up. You don't have to pretend to the saints that you believe in this and you don't have to go around hoping nobody asks you how you're really doing. You understand what I'm saying? You just, just righteousness puts you in a place where that's not even exists. It don't even come to your mind. Huh? You're all right with God and that's all that matters. All that insecurity, all that nonsense and pretending this, pretending that, wanting to be this and wanting to be that. It's purged. Sometimes some of our pet thoughts bring more unrighteousness to us. You know? Things we want people to think we're believing God for great things. And you just like everybody else, believing in month to month for the bills to get paid. Huh? I mean, seriously, come on, y'all. The other thing, the blood speaks assurance. Because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself. And his promises are immutable. So it's not a mere promise, but it's an oath and a promise. 
So the blood comes to assure us. The blood comes to give us a knowing. See, you can have a promise and have a want and a desire, but there comes a time you need a knowing because wants and and desires come and go, but knowing sticks there. See, when you know that God is is giving you this or has given you this, it's hard for you to walk away from him, the promise or anything, because you've got a lot holding you into his life. See, this is a prob- problem with continual backsliders. They never get assurance of things. They never get a certainty about things. They run around pretending, oh, worship, hallelujah, dance around, yeah, 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 superficial. Listen, they danced in the outer court. We're not outer court people. We're throne room people. Yeah, the, the blood gives you access to the throne room. When you're a throne room inhabitant, <laughs> you got many assurances. I don't care how many times you got to go. God, I was believing you a minute ago, but here I am again. Can you please tell me again? Can I? You said you never leave me and forsake me, and I like that, but I want something else. I can need to know. You understand what I'm saying? I just got to know. Am I pipe dreaming here? Or am I holding on to something that's real? You got to go to God and get that. You can't get that from anybody else but him. Just because you worship God, that don't make you deep. Huh? I mean, seriously. Sometimes you wonder, why are they still in the outer court on this thing? You need to go behind the veil. What they say, ain't even no veil no more. You know, you once you get access by the blood, that's when you need to get your assurances from. You see what I'm saying? Get right in there. Say, God, listen. I've been believing you like Abraham, believing you for all these years. Am I getting it or not? See, everybody with religion. Well, I don't think you should say that to God. You should know. You got faith. Where's your faith? We ain't talking about faith right about now. We talking about the real deal. I'm talking about if I'm missing it, I need to know where. If I ain't got it, I need to know when it's coming. If I don't have measure up, I got to know something. I need to know. Quit playing around. (laughs) I hope I ain't been pipe dreaming, God. (laughs) But if I have, can you make it real anyway? Can you honor your daughter's bootleg faith anyway? Do like Hezekiah. You say, hey, God, they they don't praise you. I hear they don't worship and praise you down there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The dead don't praise you. You need me here because them other folks don't know how to praise you like I do. I bring back the 60s. I bring back the... 90s, I, I bring it all when I come in. Who you going to get to do that like I do? Say something. Huh? But you, I mean, come on, y'all. 
If it never gets real, it needs to get real. Huh? Because we need to be like Abraham, be honest enough to, to recognize that you don't have that full assurance. That you've been playing around. You know, doing a little bit here, a little bit there, trying here, trying there. Because you thought that was all there was to it. Now you'd have looked around and you see you got long in the tooth. <laughs> Whatever. Huh? You know how you used to jump up out the seat when you get up? Now you gotta, whoa, God, I gotta know something for sure. Now this isn't got real. Very real to me now. Girl gotta know. Huh? That's all you got to do. He's more willing, the Bible says, he's more abundantly willing to show you what he really has planned for you. Amen. He's more abundantly willing. It's not, you're not twisting his arm to tell you something he don't want to tell you. He's not playing games with us. But if you'll be honest with him, he'll be real with you. And he won't give you something to do that's impossible. He know you ain't going to confess the word a hundred times in a row. So he ain't wanting that. He just wants you to be real. But I'm telling you, once reality in God comes in you, you won't have no problem cooperating with him. Because you'll have that surety that it's coming. Amen. He has not changed his mind. Amen. Why do we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy. Thank you for your blood, which we plead as our only plea. That's our only defense, Father, at the throne when the enemy accuses us of not fulfilling our end of the covenant, Lord, not being obedient to you. We thank you, Father, that as we plead your precious blood that pleases you and you grant us the things we desire. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, we're done.